What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to Experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. I have a bit of a bias against Scorsese. I feel like he's one of those canon directors that I have been told, um, especially when I was studying film, I was told it was like a big deal and reading articles around Taxi Driver telling me what a seminal piece of work it was and how significant Goodfellas was. And I sort of got a bit arsy with him and went, oh, you're, you're really important, are you? Maybe I won't like you. How'd you like that? Um, <laughs> and what did he say to that? <laughs> he's not gotten back to me. Uh, and I think his lackadaisical <laughs> attitude towards correspondence is, has not endeared me to him any further. <laughs> Hello, everyone, uh, for this special 300th episode. Uh, joining Flicks Watcher today, we have Helen. Hello. And Kobe. Hiya. And your special anniversary hosts are Martin. Hi. And Sam. And we are here to talk about The Irishman. Can't believe we made 300 episodes of Flicks Watcher, Sam. It's, uh, it's, it's really gone by tiring. In a, in a heartbeat, hasn't it? Exhausted, <laughs> I am. Exhausted. <laughs> Thanks. As always, to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes, and thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate the show on Apple Podcasts, or any way you listen to podcasts. It really does help. And you can join the conversation with us on Twitter. At FlixWatcherPod, or on Instagram. At FlixWatcher. Hello, film fans. Welcome to the FlixWatcher podcast, or should I say the Flipped Watcher podcast. Nice. No, nice. that'll really mess up the SEO, won't it? And um, to celebrate 300 episodes of the show, myself and Martin are taking over the reins of the podcast to uh, finally allow the regular hosts uh, the choice of film. So the guests t today are Kobe and Helen. Uh, Kobe, why don't you tell the listeners a little more about who you are and what you do? Yeah, for those who don't know me, I'm Kobe. Um, I'm a podcaster. I like watching film. Uh, and TV and stuff. And um, yeah, I'm from Manchester, la la la. Hi. Is it true you were from an episode of The Gladiators? <laughs> <laughs> In some amazing flips. I'm not it's amazing. Lie. It's I, so good. I was so impressed. I really was, I, cool. I was an episode of Gladiators. For 300 episodes, he's kept that secret from me. Did you not know, Helen? Is that new to no, you as well? It was completely new to me. Wow. Shocking behaviour. All these I would not uh, keep 300 that episodes worth of. He's never mentioned it once. Well, and, and Helen, uh, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are as well? I'm Helen. I, I'm, I am the usual co-host of Flix Watch Podcast. <laughs> I also like watching films. I don't really like watching TV that much. And uh, I really like cats. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and of course, myself and Martin are usually the hosts of the Song by Song podcast. Martin, why don't yeah. you explain a bit about that? Uh, well, if you like the music of Tom Waits, this podcast is for you. We, each episode, we talk about a different song by Tom Waits in chronological order. And surprisingly, we're almost at the end. So tune in, tune in. If you listen in 2023, tune in because it's our last season coming up this summer. Wow. And if you're listening in future years, then you can tune in. It's, 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 still, it's still there. It's still it's possible. Yeah. Um, 
and that's yeah. been taken taken down because of copyright violation. But um, Helen and Kobe have very kindly asked us to uh, host for their anniversary episode so that they can make the pick of the film. And for this first section, Helen, uh, you made the pick. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the film you chose and give us a, a very strictly 60-second synopsis. I understand that's how it works, yes? It is. Uh, so, you know, it's a lot of pressure comes down to <laughs> picking a film and coming on Flixwatcher. I'm it's sorry, guys. The, the pressure... Uh, I mean, I knew it was coming and I thought about it for ages and ages and ages. And um, yeah, so I picked The Irishman. <laughs> the reason I picked The Irishman is because I've been waiting since 2019 for someone else to pick it for Flickwatcher and they haven't. So I kind of figured the only way that I was ever going to watch this film was if I picked it as my own choice in this episode. And I, I should point out at this point, well, everyone who's listened to this podcast for more we than five seconds <laughs> yeah more than five seconds helen does not appreciate films that outstay their welcome lengthwise so for me sam and martin were, and other people in the podcast world were very surprised to hear that helen had chosen one of the longest films ever made uh, i'm sure we'll hear about that in this discussion but i, I was i was kind of flabbergasted but yeah pass it back over the to thing Cam. the thing i'm really excited helen is can you summarize this film in 60 seconds <laughs> Uh, I, I've, 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 I've got something in mind. I'm not sure I'm going to like summarize it particularly well. Is someone getting the time time rub? I've got one on your marks. A get set. A go. Uh, the Irishman is the 26th feature film from the director Martin Scorsese, aka The Goat. It's based on the Very book I heard to. You. <laughs> <laughs> it's based on the book I Heard You Paint Houses and it tells the true life story of Frank Sheeran no relation to Ed Sheeran I don't think <laughs> a truck driver who ends up working for the Buffalino Mafia and Jimmy Hoffa Robert De Niro stars as Frank it's his ninth collaboration with Martin Scorsese and Joe Pesci and El Pacino also star as their current old wrinkly selves and digitally de-aged younger selves. That's very impressive. 43 that was seconds. seconds. Yeah, even yeah. with an interruption from me. Yeah. Good Beautiful. work. Beautiful. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> so, Kobe, this was not your choice. No. How did you feel about being forced <laughs> to watch the, was it three hours and? Three 20? hours and 29, yeah. Three hours 29. Three, uh, I mean, it w three hours 30 would be too much, right? There's, <laughs> they, to be fair, really there's a good 11 minutes of credits on this. So, Is uh, that, so okay. you yes. can dial that back. <laughs> That's the thing, right? So like Marvel films, if you don't stay for the if you don't stay for the bonus like uh, end credits things, you could leave twenty minutes earlier than it says credits right, because. Yeah. Of all, but this is, yeah. So look, I but don't. Is, mind, there a, so is there like a post credits well where Travis Bickle turns up? Because <laughs> I didn't watch all of the <laughs> credits. You you, sh you put the Henry Hill turns yeah, up. Henry Hill turns up. <laughs> the Marty Cinematic Universe would be an <laughs> yeah. incredible project. I'm really a different MCU. That. Um, look, I don't mind the time. I saw this. I saw this initially at London Film Festival when it came out, and for me, this is a film. So you saw this on the big screen. I saw this on the big screen. I saw it before anyone else had seen it. I saw it in a comfortable position, in where I feel a Martin Scorsese film like this should be seen. And I saw it because I thought I knew it was coming to Netflix, but I knew that it was generally a film I wanted to watch in cinema. And I, and, and this is my second watch of it, and that confirmed my my opinion. Um, I really enjoyed so it. That's seven hours of your life you'll never get back. <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it's a great film. I just don't. I just felt it's, it's, some films really, really powerful in the cinema, 
uh, and keep you engaged. Yeah. And I feel that this was kind of baggy, but it needs to be kind of languishing its time a bit. And I think that doesn't sometimes translate to being at home, watching in bed, watching lying on your sofa when you're kind of, your eyes are being propped by, by yeah, like chopsticks or, or cocktail sticks. So for me- You have had a, you have had a small child since- Had had uh, a small child since- Since the London Film Festival <laughs> screening. And I think you've been the same impact <laughs> since this film began. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, that long. Long. it's not that long. <laughs> it's, full, it's full gestation. Like, but I, um, I, I enjoyed it more. I, I enjoyed the scenario. I enjoyed it more in the cinema. Is is fair to say is mm. my kind of catch all um, phraseology. In the cinema, did the um so a, bit, a big controversial feature of this film is the digital de aging mm. that happens of um, Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci. Yeah, and Al Pacino to some extent as well. Which is which is not. I, I don't think it was a huge feature for me. Like it, 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 it took up a quite a small part of the film's runtime. But on the big screen, was that distracting because people were very critical of that the aging weren't they when the film came out it was like, equal, did it look better on the small screen it was equally distracting i thought um there were some <laughs> there were some parts where like when he was driving the truck when it was supposed to be like 30 or whatever and he mm. looked like a proper um like video game cutscene um it's, yeah. it's, it's, it was very impressive it definitely is very impressive and the de-aging technology is like phenomenal um but i think it works mm. best when they apply it just in, in small stints um, yeah, sure. like when, when it did look a bit like someone taking like a circular sander to Robert De Niro's face yeah. for a couple of minutes, didn't it? it had that sort of, I which think, is probably a scene in Casino actually. If you <laughs> <laughs> I think some people talked about how you can't they, they can't like CGI his walk and his gait of a like an eight, nearly eight year old man yeah. with with a younger face. Mm -hmm. And that's I didn't notice that. I, I tried to look out for that in second viewing, but for me, I just I was thinking like um, Grand Theft Auto kind of cutscenes when when he was driving in some cases and and, and doing the things uh so i i did notice mm. in both in both instances how about you helen did uh did the much anticipated watch of this uh pay off for you I, i'm gonna hate myself saying this but it's no good fellas is it i mean i enjoyed it <laughs> and i'm glad i watched it but there's just so much in it there's so there's so much time and people to meet and names to remember and families to remember. And then it's like, what time are we in? When are we here? And then you're like, oh, what's Stephen Graham doing there? And <laughs> I'd love to see Stephen Graham playing yeah. there. a lovely time. Did you not know he's going to be in this? Well, I hadn't. So I hadn't read very much about this film before I watched it, which is good. So I didn't know it was based on a true story. Oh, uh, I'm going to put that in scare quotes and come back to that. I didn't know this was based on someone's account of their life. Uh, <laughs> but I thought this was going to be like another Goodfellas thing where it's like, oh, we, we follow a character through his like mob story kind of thing. So yeah, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't really know who was in it. I guess I knew De Niro was in it. Um, but I didn't know like Pacino was in it, for example, until he t popped up and I thought, well, that's a you know that's a exciting moment for Heat fans. You know, <laughs> on screen reunion of those two is always hotly anticipated. It is now on Netflix, guys. By the way, I, I didn't realise it was a true story either until they mentioned Jimmy Hoffa. I was like, Jimmy Hoffa's a real person. Yeah. Hang on, am I watching a true thing? Oh. <laughs> wow. Did that? Did that? Improve? Are you? Were you watching a true? Well, thing? <laughs> and then yeah, obviously I was like, oh, because. Obviously, this the whole thing about Jimmy Hoffa is that no one knows what happens happened to him. Well, he's and, he's such a huge figure. Mm. Like he, I mean, he's like his disappearance is like up there with JFK in terms of like that period of like mysteries, like what happened to him, was he killed, who killed him, and uh, I was a little surprised when they're like, "Oh, you're going, for, you're going for this." Oh, okay. <laughs> like, 
it's like, okay, so if if that did happen, then surely someone would have worked out that did happen. So it was a bit like, oh, okay. Well, it depends. What I mean, that's one the bit person, that might not be true. <laughs> one person they killed, they they killed him and, and threw him in a in a wood chipper. Um, true. So, Fargo fans. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so you know, if it's tends to be that kind of thing happens to Hoffa, then there's no way they're going to find him, and no DNA evidence. You know, forty, fifty years later, we'll be able to to you know, put him back together again. So, so I'm getting the sense that Helen, this was something that. You went through a roller coaster ride of emotions for yes, yes. It was very much like, oh, this, and then I was like, oh yeah. So this is how they're going to do the 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 face thing. They're going back in time to tell the story, and yeah. So yeah, it was. You know, I'm, I am glad I watched it. You know, I had prepared, got a takeaway in, so food. So you did it in one sitting. Food <laughs> arrived. Yeah, did it in one well sitting. Done. Congratulations. It was one of those where you kind of like paused for like a little toilet break and you're like halfway through it's like a marathon isn't it you like checking the points and you're like halfway through and um, and then it kind of gets to a bit and you're like oh it's still still another hour to go there isn't there and you're just like come on come on make it through and then it ended and i was like oh i could have watched a bit more probably maybe it kind of feels like you know he could have added a bit extra on and i wouldn't have even noticed good, good second win there what about you guys what simon simon martin what do you make of it um did you watch it in one sitting sam I did not. Uh, I did watch it in one day. Um, but I, I had <laughs> to split it up in various places. Yeah, exactly. Um, I didn't get a takeaway, but I did do a variety of things around it. I did a bit of washing up for about an hour. Uh, I uh, ate some lunch. I uh, then sat in bed, as as Kobe described, the, the optimal location for watching <laughs> a Scorsese epic. I have a bit of a bias against Scorsese. I feel like he's one of those canon directors that I have been told – um, especially when I was studying film, I was told it was like a big deal and reading articles around Taxi Driver telling me what a seminal piece of work it was and how significant Goodfellas was. And I sort of got a bit arsy with him and went, oh, you're, you're really important. Are you? Maybe I won't like you. How'd you like that? Um, <laughs> and what did he say to that? <laughs> he's not gotten back to me. Uh, and I think his lackadaisical attitude towards correspondence <laughs> has not endeared me to him any further. That said, I do respect, I enjoy Mean Street, I enjoy After Hours, um, and I do respect him as a filmmaker. So I went in with a bias against this and sort of spent the first half of the film slightly resenting it, sort of feeling that this was overly long and I wasn't really getting much that I hadn't seen him do elsewhere and elsewhere with a bit more punch. Mm. But then the second half, I settled into a groove and I got drawn in, particularly by Pacino's performance, I've got to admit, um, doing a slightly more chaotic, vulnerable, <laughs> crazy lunatic than <laughs> I often see him performing. Um, sort of playing low status, Bobby De Niro playing low status and looking a bit awkward quite a lot of the time. And so mm. by the end of it, especially with the whole framing sequence of the story being told by an old man who sort of had put all of these things on the line and worked really hard in order to build up this career and this reputation and then was just alone in a nursing home, uh, I was kind of sold on it. I, I sort of didn't enjoy it all, but I was really taken by the ending of it. How about you, Martin? Did, uh, did this catch you? Yeah, I mean, I was I, I intended to watch it over a couple of nights. I had it on my projector, uh, so like mid, medium, big, big screen. Um, <laughs> adequately Save it for the, the score. Save it for the score, <laughs> Yeah, like whether that counts. Um, I found the first half, like the sort of frenetic, it felt, felt quite frenetic. It felt like a bit of a recap on his life today. 
um, the first part of the film and, and quite violent and unpleasant. And I wasn't enjoying that particularly, although I think it's actually quite good at contextualizing the violence in the way that his daughter relates to him as going, yes. this, my dad's a horrible thug and like, I can't, I can't take problems to him because he'll stamp stamp on someone's hand, and that's really horrible. Um, so, and then in the second half, it becomes much more slow and more meditative, uh, meditative, and it is just this sort of gradually slowing rhythm of Jimmy Hoffa needs to like rein his neck in, otherwise he's going to be killed. And it ridiculous, yeah. isn't it? Uh, and the conflict with um, you know, you talked about the sort of restraint and internal conflict in Robert De Niro being like, I I'm trying to tell him this. Uh, but there's only so much he, he will listen before he he, he you know he, he won't trust me, and I and and I'm trying to broker this peace with the, the this organised crime family who is not super pleased with him, uh, and that I I find really compelling, and and I find the pace was really appropriate. So even though that was probably yeah. two hours of the film, I mean at a certain point I was like, all right, come on, let's get to it. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, actually as a as a film, I I ended up really enjoying it. And I did enjoy the sort of warmth of the Joe Pesci character. Obviously, if you've seen Goodfellas, like his yeah. his character in Goodfellas is absolutely chilling. And this character, um, you know, he's a dangerous man and orders people killed, but uh, is portrayed as a sort of warm and loyal person and, and, and a friend to Robert De Niro. And that's quite a nice relationship as well. well so, yeah, generally. A lot of this was sold on the fact that it'd be the first time in a while that Joe Pesci would be back on screen. And of course, it'd be great for him to be back, mm. back on the screen in a Scorsese flick. And of course, yeah. it'd be great to be back on screen with his old mucker, De Niro, right? And it, <laughs> yeah. it was, it, I, he's, he's got one of the great voices in like film and TV history. Just his voice is, you know, even Home Alone, I just love hearing his voice. Well, it's, of course. It's, I think it's such a divert, like, I mean, you can point to comedy roles that De Niro have done, which I think are good. Um, but like Joe Pesci has just got such a diversity of like he can be this chilling person where mm. psychopathic can turn on the diamond and and mutilate or kill you, or he can be this sort of lovable grandpa. <laughs> I thought that that was really great casting. Like part of what I thought made this film work was Joe Pesci, knowing that he has played so many insane psychopathic characters yeah. over the years and mm. then him being so gentle and really like being the voice of reason like the broker yeah. of peace throughout yeah. and it did a huge amount of work in terms of realizing the stakes and the danger that hoffer was in that everyone was in yeah. and then yeah. also his journey from you know middle age through to very old age across the run span of this uh, the, the the runtime of this film mm. and literally in the final scenes um yeah real time uh final scenes like him taking his dentures out and it changing the whole shape of his face and it was it through him where i went oh that's why you want the same actor playing these characters all the way through because you've got joe pesci who can go from like octogenarian or older and also this de-aging allows him to play someone who we recognize from home alone <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 the um, the person that you the character you called out uh, his daughter uh, uh, Peggy Peggy yeah, yeah. Um, Anna played by well and Lucy Galliana um, as the younger uh, right, version right. of that character and I thought they were both utterly brilliant again in communicating the stakes of the film just the stare that they give Robert De Niro as their father so I, that it, was it, one of the, that was one of the issues I had with it when I first watched the film and, and right. we've got Anna Paquin here fantastic actor um been around for a long time she didn't have that much to say in the film but she does but what with, with her screen time she does have some impact so you know that was one of one of the points I wanted to bring out what did it need to be someone like Anna Paquin there did, was she wasted was she yes. the, exactly the right person what 
you know, I thought she was brilliant. I thought both of the actors were brilliant in foreboding some sense of this is wrong. This is this is going to end badly. This isn't going the way that you think it's going to go. I found their performances genuinely like disturbing and dangerous. Uh, and I guess while you might say that um, someone of uh, Anna Paquin's talents, you know, she feels like she's being underutilized. Mm. I there's a lot of actors in this in this film. Uh, not all of them can be fully utilized. Like Jesse Plemons playing um, uh, Chucky. Chucky. Chucky, yeah, yeah. Who yeah. doesn't know what kind of fish it is. Doesn't know what yeah. kind of fish it is. And like you know, yeah. I mean, Plemons is really good, but you know, it, there's not enough time to give all of these people. Uh, a space to shine. Harvey so Keitel really is in this that. movie. Yeah. Like, he barely says anything, right? It's like three lines. <laughs> well, also, also for fans of The Wire, Dominic Lombardosi, who plays Hercule, oh, yeah. is in this, but I didn't recognise him the first, I didn't, I wouldn't have known it was him Old even the second Hurt, time. Right? Yeah, yeah, Fat Tony. Um, so his his makeup was astonishing, I thought, in, in this. I generally had no idea. Um, the cast is, the- is insane. Yeah, it's yeah, ridiculous. It's absolutely stacked. Yeah. Were there any small corners that really made an impact for you, Helen? Or was it like just, were you too distracted by the takeaway? <laughs> uh, was it fish? Did you have, did it, you have fish and chips? It, it, it was not fish. What kind of was fish it was, it? was it cod? What kind of fish was it? <laughs> if I bought a fish, I would know what kind of fish it was. Yeah, I think, um, going back to the, the daughter, Peggy, because uh, sometimes Scorsese, he doesn't really write that many roles for no. women and his films do tend to be heavy on the old men. So I think her role is really, really, really important in this because the wives don't really have that much to do and everything else is a very, very male world and it's dominated by violence. So it's her silence and her kind of silent judging yeah. that is really, really, really powerful. And also it's the whole thing about like, the mafia is all about family. It's about the family. It's about the family. You know, you'll, you'll kill someone if they, they hurt your family. And at the end, like Frank's left with none of his family. Like yeah. they've, they've all disowned him because of what he's done. And he's never had that relationship with Peggy because of the work that he's been doing. And I think there's that relationship. And then the moment where Frank hugs Jimmy when they're in the car that moment there is just like a really, really sad moment yes, because true. I think they kind of both know what's going to happen and they're both kind of like accepting it. And it's a really sad moment that they probably were quite good friends. And then obviously he made the decision that he would stay loyal to to the mafia rather than his friends. So he's, he's a very kind of complex person who you kind of think that he wants he wants family and, you know, he's enjoyed these friendships, but at the end of the day, he's prepared to just kill anyone, <laughs> which is really, really bleak. <laughs> I think there's early scenes with the daughter, uh, the younger actress, uh, the only younger actor playing, playing the daughter and Joe Pesci. And when he's trying to be this sort of magnanimous uncle character yeah. and yeah, she's yeah, yeah. very suspicious of him because yeah. she knows he's a bad guy, you know, and that was really interesting because it's sort of, you know, if you watch The Godfather, it's all about like, you know, why do you never come and come to coffee at my house? It's like, because you're a fucking killer. Like, why would I come to coffee at your house? I come to, I'm coming to your house because I want you to beat up some guys that, that assaulted my daughter. That's that's the limit of this interaction. You're not my uncle. You're a scary guy. But Jim, yeah. Uncle Jimmy yeah, Hoffman was... Got, yeah, they've all got scary names. Like, I can't remember the names that he like, like starts reeling them off. Like, Crazy not, like, nice people. I was nice touched the way that they had the sort of like information about like, this guy got blown up by a car bomb in 1980. This guy yeah, got... Yeah, I enjoyed you know, that. Because, uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, if, like, 
I was watching this, I was sort of led to question like Scorsese's interest in violence and violent characters. Like I feel like in some of his earlier films, it's the violence is sort of exciting, not necessarily glamorous, but it does feel quite exciting. And in Goodfellas, mostly it seems like a pretty exciting life, right? Mm. But but in this, like he, I feel like he really hammers home like this character, Frank, is a violent man. It's a strange thing from his family. All of the people that he knows, bar a couple, died through violence. And, uh, you know, it doesn't make it seem that glamorous. It makes it seem pretty terrifying to live that life, I think. I mean, the, the thing that I thought was interesting is that lots of those gangster films either show, like, the, the, the bad guys ending unhappily or the bad guys getting away f- with it. And I thought this was an interesting portrait to go, oh, yeah, this is a character who got away with it. But then what happens after that? Like, it's it's yeah. it's the long tail. Mm. And I guess that Scorsese mm. is old enough in himself now, and obviously the perspective of this uh, autobiography, to go success and winning and the, quote, happily ever after. It's not as simple as that. And I kind of admired him for letting that play out as long as it did. Like I, I felt yeah, the climax yeah. of killing Hoffer. I was like, how have we still got an hour to go? Well, an hour minus 11 minutes for the credits. Um, but of course it's how it plays out. It's what happens in he, the end of his life. And and obviously yeah. the one point that I want to mention as well is you need that scene between Robert De Niro and Action Bronson uh, selling a coffin, which has got to go down <laughs> as one of the uh, most delightful little scenes I've ever <laughs> been surprised by a celebrity cameo in. I think it's nice that with the, with a film of this length, to have those incidental scenes um, and let the characters mm. be the bit and like so that like the Sally Bugs um, questioning Chucky about the fish, it doesn't ultimately lead yeah, anywhere, sure. but it's still it's still like a nice kind of it gets people it gets you in the headspace where these people are. Chucky's just a, I don't know a bit happy go lucky, a bit of a foot quit. It seems like um, <laughs> he's not you know he doesn't he, he picks up fish doesn't even maybe look at it doesn't know it doesn't really care it just doesn't register in his life and and Sally Bugs is equal on the other side is like. How could you not even know what Fishes is? And that's where... Well, that, that sort of dialogue, I mean, there's a few kind of comic interludes which are like that, mm. uh, incidental and sort of ridiculous scenes. It really reminded me of Tarantino dialogue, which is funny because I feel like Tarantino dialogue of that era of the 90s like was very, very influenced by Martin Scorsese. Um, and he didn't, I don't know, I haven't watched a lot of recent Scorsese. I guess I, I know the sort of classics, uh, but I don't know if he if he does that in his, his film so much. But it felt very quirky, which isn't a word I'd normally apply to a Martin Scorsese film. No, sure. Any other points anyone wants to make before we head over to the scores? I've got several points. I yield the rest of my time. It's a long film. Are you going to have loads of points? <laughs> yeah, we've got four and a half hours, right? Um, has it, have any of you read about the, the the book that this is based upon? No. I know, I know it's called, uh, oh, what is it? I Heard You Paint Houses. Um, yeah. yeah. So, but it's, also, it's a, interestingly, before we go down to this, the, mm-hmm. the title of The Irishman is never actually given in this film. It just yeah. it starts with I heard you paint houses. I don't know where oh, the yes, actual, that's true. I don't know where it's actually stated as a title card, which is interesting. But yeah, minute nine of the credits. Uh, that's where it is. Ah. <laughs> All right, dig dug right in there. Oh, by the way, this feels yeah. like Irishman. Bye. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> I I only know that it it was based on this book, and then the various people have called out a few things that they claim that. Yeah, he, he may have made them up. Right. I'm, I'm, I, yeah, exactly. I'm good. So I'm not going much, much further than Wikipedia. But uh, it is based on Frank Sheeran's memoir, which was ghostwritten not with a journalist, but with someone who was like a some kind of like ambulance chasing lawyer. <laughs> uh, which, which was, and it was shopped around to various places before it, it got sold. 
Okay. Um, there were a couple of articles by people that know the Jimmy Hoffa case, uh, journalists who've worked on it, who interviewed other journalists who worked on it, who interviewed people who, in the FBI who've worked on it and other parts of law enforcement, basically saying this is entirely made up. Like, he was, he, he was uh, Frank Sheeran was a real person. He was affiliated with t the Teamsters and, and almost certainly the mob. Mm -hmm. But the general consensus is the likelihood that someone uh, in the book apparently claims to have done something between 25 and 30 murders, but so many he's forgotten how many murders he's done. And the general consensus is if someone's done that many murders, they would have got caught. There would have been some evidence. There would have been some sort of suggestion uh, that he was involved with this. Now, he, he was on the long list of people who might have killed Jimmy Hoffa when Jimmy Hoffa first disappeared. Right. But now anyone who's an expert on the Hoffa case, whether it's journalists or or, um, uh, or, or law enforcement, think it's completely improbable that he killed Jimmy, Jimmy Hoffa. And it's probably made up that he was just someone who was like a low-level enforcer for the mob and has made up all of this sort of relationship with, with these senior figures in, in the Teamsters and the, and the mob. Um, so it's probably not true. Now, I, I don't think that makes it a worse film. I still enjoy it as a film. But I think if you're going this, for this as sort of a historical artifact to, to learn about what happened to Jimmy Hoffa, there's loads of reasons why it's unlikely. Like, generally, um, the mob didn't hire non-Italians to do sensitive work. It would be incredibly unlikely that, that a boss would drive a, a, an assassin to travel to the hit because that would create a connection that is a risk. And and then the, one of the other murders... Um, he he committed uh, is like again very very well known in uh, organized crime and seems very unlikely that he did it there's one eyewitness that says he may have been in the room when it happened but all of the other eyewitnesses and and uh, investigations uh, point to it being a a, a well-known uh, mafia hood so it's probably not true I still think it's a good film <laughs> i think it's interesting because it does sort of feel a little bit like when you get the flashback that it is almost a fantasy and that some of it is well, a kind of a, a, a fantasy version of of some of it so to hear that he quite probably made a lot of it up doesn't really surprise me well, but then also i could believe he probably did like bump a couple of people off but they were probably quite low level there's that um, one hit he did when he walked into the he walked into the restaurant yeah uh, went past them then double backed bang 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 then kind of walked out again yeah I, I often query those kind of i'm sure there's scenarios where that kind of things happen everyone around them knows who's done the thing um well that's so that that's the murder that is basically that was a, right. apparently a very high high profile hit and it's right. uh, and the reasons the film gives for it are very very apparently very unlikely as to why that person was killed and there's a there's a suspect that most people uh, suspect, uh, expect I mean, uh, you know, uh, there's a, there's some of the um, critics of this, this the book and the film describe him as the Forrest Gump of organised crime because, he's, like, whenever there's like a historic, you know, murder, he turns up and oh, is it, it was him that did, you know, that landed on the moon, you know, in the. the I mean, I guess I guess part of the reason that someone like Scorsese would want to make this film is to tell a story about Jimmy Hoffa. Um, so apparently De Niro really wanted the, to make this film as well. He's been wanting to make this since the 90s, supposedly. Sure. But but it feels like the Hoffa story is at the core of it. And while the murder is a big part of his story, that's, you know, there's a lot of other stuff that this film is talking about. And having a point of view character, whether it's totally credible or whether it's a story, all that kind of thing, it is a useful way of seeing Hoffa's story and seeing some of the the conflicts that he got into. And as I got into the middle of the film, I did go, oh, it's not really about the De Niro character. It's not about Frank. It's about Hoffa um, and how this guy viewed it all. Um, the only other thing I 
thought to mention was that the very opening shot has this slightly weird introduction to the storytelling where we start with a shot of De Niro, a voiceover of him telling the story, mm. and then his sort of his mouth catches up to the voiceover. Yeah, I'll call, um, I'll call that this time. And there's and there's quite a weird sense of like it's an internal monologue. It's in his head. It's the story he's telling. The disparity between what the film is telling us and what is actually happening in the shot did flag in that very first shot this is not a reliable narrator because literally you can't tell whether it's him narrating or whether it's someone else narrating what we're seeing so i feel like there's a little get out in how it's made a tiny get out for some of that is it real is it not real and that is the end of my ted talk <laughs> <laughs> well that's probably covered uh, the runtime of the irishman reasonably effectively uh, why don't we head over to the scores and see how the numbers stack up Hello, I'm Martin. I'm Sam. And every week we get together on our podcast Song by Song to discuss the music of Tom Waits. Uh, Waits is a writer, musician and performer. Uh, you might know him from his four decades of songs like uh, What's He Building In There, Downtown Train, Martha, Rain Dogs. Or you might have seen him in films like Dracula, uh, The Fisher King, uh, mm -hmm. Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Or, if you made it that far, Licorice Pizza. We're joined every week by guests from various backgrounds and disciplines, and together we take a close listen to his work, analysing the topics and tones he uses in his music, and honestly engaging with one of the most interesting voices of his generation. Listen to our latest season or dive into our back catalogue by visiting songbysongpodcast.com or search for Song by Song in your podcatcher of choice. Let's take a look at the patented Flixwatcher scoring system. I don't, I don't know if you've heard about this system at all, Helen and Kobe. Let me uh, let me talk you through it. We're going to give scores out of five each for recommendability, uh, repeat viewing score, the small screen score, engagement score, and an overall score. So, uh, Helen, as you pick this, why don't you give us a score for recommendability? So I'm going to give this a solid four. I don't think it is as kind of... E an easy watch is Goodfellas. Not saying that like that's easy, uh, like you know, kiddie feel watch. But I feel that Goodfellas kind of has has the big songs. It has the big moments. It has bits that you probably know about, and you, even though you haven't seen it, and like for me, like I could watch that anytime. Like I love love Goodfellas. Whereas this, I think, is is just a. a it's a bit slower. It's a bit more complex. There's a lot of stuff about unions in America. Um, so stuff like, stuff like that is, you know, it's, it's different. It's a different kind of gangster film. If you're imagining like slightly older people doing Goodfellas, it's not, it's not quite like that. Um, so yeah. And I think the main off-putting thing will be the length, but you know, once you get started and as you, you've all said that, you know, it kind of gets, you get, get used to it and you kind of get going and you're like, yeah, this is great. This is great. It's fine. It's fine. You can do it. There's longer films like, isn't the killers of the flower moon coming out and that's going to be even longer. But so you know, the, but you're going to watch that in the cinema. You're going to watch that yes. in the cinema. I am because <laughs> going to the cinema for a Martin Scorsese film is something you should do. I don't think I had the chance. Oh, we'll get onto that in a bit. To do it the one. So yeah, four. Uh, Kobe, how about you? Uh, I'm going to touch above Helen. Definitely recommend it. If you've got any kind of like I sit more cinematic leaning or I, or you like Martin Scorsese or Italian gangster films, then you certainly should watch it. You probably have watched it already. 
Um, I think the rest of my score is going to trend lower um, as a result, but I think it's one you should definitely watch. Make sure you got the time to give it the full attention. If that if this had been my first watch, I think I would have given I would have um, probably more like you know Martin and, and knowing and Helen and knowing that I, I need to create this time to watch it to give it give it full thought. Uh, but because this was a repeat viewing, I was a bit more lackadaisical with it. Uh, but you should watch it. Some things we didn't talk about before. I mean, like Stephen Graham, for example. I, I love this guy. I don't. Yeah, it, it, it kind he's, of crop, he's amazing. It crops up in uh, like a small cast role in Snatch. We've released an episode on Boiling Point, which is amazing. He's in like some, uh, you know, This Is England, and he's incredible in This Is England. It, it crops up in this, and you're like, what's this little Scouse guy doing in in Martin Scorsese's film? But, but his, his little suits, his shorts. Yeah, he plays Scarface in Boardwalk Empire, and that's where yeah. that's where I think obviously caught um, you know, Scorsese's eye. But this is great, you know, going toe to toe with Al Pacino, just like turning up ten minutes late, wearing wearing like non wearing uh, shorts so and Hawaii a, shorts. You know, he, he just yeah. he had fun in this, didn't he? And I, I really, really appreciated him being there. <laughs> um, so there's a lot, there's a lot to take away from this, which I think, like, guys, definitely, definitely do watch it. Uh, sorry, Kobe, did you say your score out loud? I don't know. I did not say my score. Four point two. Four point two. Uh, Martin, what would you give this for recommendability? Uh, I would give it a 2.17. Um, not, not because it's a bad film. I really like it, but it's really, really long. And if you might not want to watch the three and a half hour film about politics and men doing violence to each other. And I think it it does, it is a good reflection of that, but it's, that's a big ask. You may not want to, you know, you might want to watch race across the world or you know, something a bit more fun. Love is blind. Or is that what it's called? Is that what they're called? No idea. Too hot to handle? I don't know. Naked de- attraction. Yeah. <laughs> Save it for a different show, guys. If it's not Netflix, then it doesn't count. Uh, I am, I'm also slightly on the lower side. Um, I think that there's as many things to not recommend this for people as there are to recommend it. And while I was very won over by the experience of watching it, I would struggle to be certain that people wouldn't turn around after three and a half hours and go, why on earth did you suggest that? So I think I'm bang down the middle three. Uh, there's lots of things to uh, give it positive and negative. Mm-hmm. You just, you just got to see how it plays. I think there were shorter Scorsese films to start with. And Agreed. then if you like those, definitely watch this one. I mean, I, as a, I still haven't seen Raging Ball because I'm aware of the length of it. And it's like a lot yeah oh, it's very good <laughs> so if i watch it it has to be in the cinema of comedy Dead. another show different time uh let's move on to repeat viewing helen how would you score this for repeatability uh, i mean i feel this is where it is definitely gonna lose some points oh, yeah. i mean you know it takes you 46 minutes to get to el pacino before he turns up so like just to give you an idea of like length and stuff did you have um, a top, did you have a stopwatch? <laughs> <laughs> turns it takes ages to see the shark in Jaws as well. I don't mean it's not a good for when's he coming in? Like waited all these years since heat to see them on the screen again. It's taken bloody ages. And um, that's just to give you an idea of like things, you know, time is quite long. <laughs> um I don't know. I feel as though I do need to watch it again because there's so much information in it and so many characters, but I just don't know when I'm going to find the time. Um, I'm going to go two, I think, for repeat. Fair enough. Uh, Kobe, how do you feel about repeating The Irishman? Uh, 2.5 because I think you you should watch it. 
again. Uh, not sure how often you need to watch it or how often, how soon after you watched it the first time you, you should watch it. I think there's, I think there's a lot in there to take away. Um, for instance, I was, I forgot how, how much I enjoyed <laughs> Al Pacino versus Stephen Graham, uh, Tony Provolone. Uh, and also mm-hmm. Al Pacino's kind of mild, kind of zen, well, not mild, xenophobia against Irish people, uh, sorry, against Italian people, like you calling you people. Um, yeah, yeah. that, that kind of sort of like, this is quite, this is really interesting. It's really kind of weirdly dark. Um, so there's lots of bits to take away that, which I'd completely forgotten. Um, so I think it's, it's definitely worth watch again. And I did do a deep dive into Jimmy Hoffer and could find nothing conclusive in the way that Martin did um, after this because I didn't know the story. I didn't know the story beforehand. I know films been made about him. I know he's been in other films played by other people. Um, so it's good to to see him portrayed here. But yeah, good to watch again. I'll probably watch it another time. I'm not sure how many times after that. So what was your score? Sorry, Cody. Two point five. Two point five. Uh, Martin, how would you rate this one for repeat viewing? Um, I'm going to score it 1.732 square root of three. Nice. It's, it's just really long. I mean, I think it will, it will uh, definitely repay repeat viewings. I just don't know when I'm going to find time in my life to do that. Um, I guess if someone was like, I really want to watch this, really watch it with me, I'd be like, yeah, but I mean, it's rewatchable, but that is a big chunk of my remaining years. (laughs) Yeah. And they're, they're numbers. Is this when you want to make this announcement, Martin? Or are you going to save that for another show? <laughs> <laughs> the date of your death? No, not this one? Okay, fine. Just after I watch The Irishman. <laughs> uh, I have to echo a lot of these things. Uh, it would take a real momentum of another reason for me to watch it again, whether it was for a performance I did like Al Pacino, whether it was to show someone else or they had an abiding love and I wanted to reassess it. But off my own bat, I would say this is a a 1.2 for uh, going back to it. It's very unlikely. Uh, Moving on to the small screen score, uh, Helen uh, didn't get a chance to see this in the cinema. How did it rate on the small screen level? I don't know if I had a chance. I can't remember. Did it have any other, did it have a release? I can't really remember. It was very limited, wasn't limited. it? Probably on a limited week's window. Um, well, Netflix didn't want, wanted to give a um, a 30-day window before it showed up on the streaming service and a load of the big uh, cinemas said, no, not a chance. So it got small screen, Curzon screamed it in the, um, mm. in the UK and obviously film festivals. But uh, They generally don't seem to care about screening stuff, even when it would be hugely popular, like the Glass yeah. Onion movie. Like they do it for a short period because they're, they're, they're not about winning. Well, I, th- mm. I think they do it so it's Oscar eligible sometimes, but like they're not yeah. about selling movie yeah. tickets. They're about getting stream, streaming. Well, I, think with, I think with Glass Onion, that was that really got a big word of mouth around it. The people that did see it in the cinema were like, guys, we've got to watch it. So I think if I think for the right film, for them to say, you know, sh- screen at cinema, the people are interested then give it that kind of word of mouth buzz. Because I think Glass Onion was one of the biggest viewed uh, films of, uh, of Christmas. When guys, this out. isn't the Oscar bait rating for Glass Onion. <laughs> small screen score Thank for, for the keeping, Irishman. You're a great host, Sam. Thank you for keeping us on. <laughs> Keep us focused, guys. Come yes. on, the run time. these guests on track. God, <laughs> I mean, I think Martin Scorsese is a director who generally gets me to the cinema. So I, I still probably would have been a bit put off by the runtime. Since then, I have been to the cinema quite recently to see a lot of very, very long films. And I can do it. I can sit in my seat <laughs> for nearly three hours. Thanks, films. Um, so I'm prepped for the next one. Uh, I think this was fine at home for me. Um the ability to pause and 
eat food uh, was a bonus. And uh, yeah, so I'm going to give it a four, I think. I think, you know, this is your only chance to see it at home unless you find somewhere screening it randomly. I don't even think the Prince Charles tend to screen it that much because it's very long and you can have little breaks. You can watch it however you like. So what did you say? What did you score? Four. Kobe, how about you? How does it rate having seen it on the big screen? Yeah, I mean, I loved it on the big screen. I thought it was great to sit there and recline in the in the comfy chair and just let it kind of wash over me. And, you know, the engagement score and a small screen score, cinematic experience score kind of do kind of tie into one with this first for the Irishman. Um, let's give it 3.5. I think if I did watch it again, it would be in sections. And there were kind of quite a few blog posts around, weren't they, when this first came out saying, watch it up to like 55 minutes, make it like a mini series almost type thing. And then you'll get like a, a different experience from it. And that'll be a good way to kind of split it up. And I think they're right. I, I, you know, I, I, I sh- next time I watch it, if it has to be on a TV screen, I might look at those blog posts and, and finish at those kind of uh, key points. Cause I think it kind of works. How about you, Martin? How would you rank it? Uh, actually pretty high. I would say like uh, 4.2, like it, it's, it's very character driven. Um, there are some action set pieces and things like that, but it's it's not about visual spectacle in the way that like a Marvel movie is, and it's not. Um, I don't remember there being a ton of subtitling, so that would be another problem on on this one. I mean, I watched on the, like a, as I said on a projector, like so like a big, so effectively like a really big telly, um, and it was it looked great. Uh, it certainly benefits from the cinematic treatment, but I don't think um, I think you could still get a lot out of it watching it on a small screen because as I say it's story and character driven. Um, Fair 4.2. Uh, I watched this uh, mainly on uh, an iPad. I had no problem. Exactly with how it. Martin would have, Martin Scorsese intended. <laughs> He's a huge fan of Apple product. I think that's, uh, <laughs> that's clear from the way he does his tracking shots. Um, uh, I had I had zero problems with this. Um, I think some of the sequences would have been dialed up, but what you were talking about the way that it can be viewed as sort of a TV miniseries, I think really does apply. And there's a bit of me that probably would have had a better time Mm. if this was three or four hour long um, TV specials. Um, I think there's climax points. So I'm going to give it 4.5. I think it's a really solid uh, small screen and uh, Netflix is not losing a great deal by not having it on the big screen. Uh, So this is the big one then. Helen, how would you rate this for engagement out of five? So uh, sometimes if you watch a film on Netflix for the first time, it will give you like your percentage rating. So I forgot to say earlier, but mine was 56%. Netflix only thought I'd like it 56%, which uh, surprised me a bit. Um, Maybe it's because I just like to watch 90-minute films. I don't know. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, So engagement, I mean, I didn't watch it all the way through. So it's going to have to (laughs) lose. watch it all the way through? (laughs) Well, I mean, like without pausing it. Okay. I feel as though... It did not happen at the end. Okay, fine. Sure. <laughs> Jimmy Hoffman flies off into the sunset. It's yeah. all a happy ending. Like, if it's super, super engaged, then like, I won't I won't pause it because I just have to consume it like immediately. Um, so there were a few pauses and there was the, the realisation that we were watching a film with Jimmy Hoffa and he was a real person. So I was like, oh, hang on, let me, let me what, I know him as being played by Jack Nicholson. What's all this about? So <laughs> I did do a little bit of mid-film research um, just to kind of like make sure I knew what, what was going on a little bit. So I think because of that, the highest I can give for engagement is probably about a four. Fair enough. Kobe, your engagement. Yeah, I'd give it. Yeah, it's good for four. I mean, certainly I was super into it the first time I watched it. 
Um, the benefit of the second watch means you can kind of not nod off, but you don't have to pay super close attention. Um, and I did do it in sections, just kind of uh, not determined by anyone anyone's blog post, but by determined by when I thought my iPod was going to fall off my lap. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I should put it down. Um, yeah, before I think this it's slow in some paces, but then it does perk up either in action or in dialogue or in you know something else that kind of catches you, and you're not sure what that's going to be. Uh, so yeah, four for me too. Excellent. Martin, how about your engagement? How do I find that percentage? I was trying to look for it so I could uh, tell you what way. I think it's before you start the film. I don't think you can uh, get them too, after, too unfortunately. Yeah. Um, well, as I said, I, I started watching this movie thinking I'd split it over two nights, and then I ended up watching it until like one o'clock in the morning. So like at some point it did grab me, and I was like, mm. oh, yeah, I, I, you know, initially, okay, great story about thugs. And then as time went on, I was like, oh, this is this is really drawing me into these this this historical setting and these characters. So I would give it, um, yeah, 4.5, I think, for engagement. I think I'm in a very similar position to you, Martin, uh, not liking Scorsese greatly, thinking this was going to be overlong. Again, thinking I would split it up into more sections. I was gripped. I was drawn into the story. I enjoyed it a lot more than I expected to. Um, so I've got to give it credit. I'm going to go 4.8. I, am, uh, I was Ooh. delighted and impressed, uh, which totting up, uh, the totals gives us a total score for the Irishman of 3.36263. I can't believe you've, you've recreated our spreadsheet. How dare you? <laughs> no, no, no. I've, I've gotten hold of it. I, 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 you, can, you can't slag me off on my own show. How dare you, Kobe? I'm pretty, pretty pleased with that. I think I thought the repeat viewing was really going to drag it down so mm. i i think well it did good. it did it did drag it down other areas were well into the threes but uh i, was I quite feel like it's a it's like a four plus star film that i wouldn't recommend to many people <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> that's fair or watch ever again yeah i mean on our podcast we just did the vin vendors film until the end of the world which is four hours 47 Ooh. and that is very similarly a long film that I really enjoyed that nobody should watch. So uh, you know, we're very much in, in the in the same ballpark. I mean, it does it, it does matter, doesn't it? Unfortunately, because there's that film Drive My Car, which everyone says is amazing, but like coming up four hours, I'm just like, oh, come on! I, uh. You should watch that; it's really good. I'm, I'm, I'm no, watch. I'll, 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 I'm sure I'll enjoy it. I'm certainly I'll enjoy it, but also it's, it's four a big hours. Investment. It's a big investment for people, and especially like the subject matter. You know, the, the Netflix description is like style gritty and i'm like yeah it's kind of gritty and and as you say like it gets into a lot of historical weeds you know so you have to be pretty sure someone's going to enjoy it before you say you absolutely have to watch this film that's fair recommending yeah so over on twitter we have uh, asked the listeners and the tweeters what their opinions on the irishman were uh Let's take a little look. Uh, Helen, do you want to read out some of these? Yeah, uh, I'll take this one from Alex Flowers. Uh, he's giving it four clocks out of five. Solid. Saw, saw my own life tick down whilst watching as well as those of the Stellar cast. Missing a few big set pieces to keep the energy up, but kept me engrossed. And happy 300 H and K. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Alex. Very nice. AX Flowers, at AX Flowers. Go follow him, guys. He's a nice guy, it seems. 
<laughs> Amelie uh, at the Only Cleo Luna said, unfortunately, I quit watching it after 40 minutes. Way too slow, and I knew it was going to be very long, but I have a love and hate relationship with gangster films anyway. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that's pretty much. I don't know if we've got a star rating. That looks like, you know, 40 minutes out of three hours, 30. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how that does Doing a reference. The math there. Yeah, exactly. Not 1.25 stars. But it sounds like she didn't benefit from the, the, the bump that uh, you and Martin got. Um, no, true. And she get, should have should have got to forty six minutes, and then that's when Al Pacino the comes Pacino in. Pacino accelerator. Catalyst. <laughs> <laughs> forty six minutes, and then Pacino is there. There's an interesting one here from Liam uh, H Dempsey, who says uh, it could have been a masterpiece if Marty had cast great young actors to play the younger versions of De Niro and Co. rather than use shonky de aging tech. Other than that, it's excellent—a sweeping epic which gets better as it goes along once the actors are free of their digital masks. I, I wasn't that bothered by the digital de-aging. Like, I, I mean, I know people get people get more sort of up in arms about slightly crap-looking digital effects than they do about slightly crap-looking practical effects, don't they? Like, somehow people are prepared to suspend the disbelief if it's stop motion or, you know, a, a stuntman in a, in a wig. But with digital stuff, people get very annoyed by it. And I'm just like, well, all technology is going to age. It's just, I mean, this has aged quite quickly, ironically. Um, but um, <laughs> I, I, it didn't, it, it didn't bother me that much. But I, you know, I would have liked to. I, th I think a version with younger actors would have been really interesting. Yeah, okay. Liam gave it uh, four stars and uh, very accurately included the uh, the gif of Pesci saying, "It's what it is," which I think four stars, "It's what it is," is a very good, <laughs> much shorter <laughs> review than the one we managed to create. I, when people talk about this de-aging thing, I, I look, I always think about the first time I saw it um, in a Marvel film with um, Robert Downey Jr. at the start. Of, I can't remember which film it was because there's, there's many. Civil War. Was it Civil, Civil War? And he, I was like, what have they, what's going on? I really didn't, I really did not, I could not tell where the seams were. I couldn't, I couldn't understand what was happening. I thought they'd taken um, him from previous films and kind of stitched it together and made his mouth work. And it just really, I was just really kind of flabbergasted by it. But then when it's, it's, it's like that, it's like anything, you know, when I watch Jurassic Park nowadays, I'm still like taken away by how well it's done. But then I just, it just, it just doesn't, it just doesn't catch me in the same way um, no. as others. So it, it, I think if, some, if something takes you out of a film, if something takes you out for whatever reason, whether it's bad music choice or bounce, bad sound editing, I know different people have different sensitivities to these different things. It's, it's, it's you know, it's fair, it's fair for you to, um, acknowledge it and say it's something that pissed you off or annoyed you about the thing um and it's good if it doesn't take it out of the film because yeah hopefully it doesn't uh i've got my soapbox there okay <laughs> I was say, like, you just need to do what tom, tom hanks does and get your kid to play your younger self it's a good choice. I mean, De Niro's got plenty of kids. <laughs> <laughs> it just had one. It just had one, right? At time of recording. Yeah. Oh wow, cracky. Oh, bless him. Love you, Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> Um, before we end, guys, I want to say thank you very much again for, for guest hosting. Everyone's listening. You've probably heard Sam and Martin on previous episodes. Uh, Drunken Master. Oh, yeah. We've had um, the Buster Scruggs. Yeah. No, it was the nice guys we did. The, uh, nice, nice guys. guys. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Although Buster Scruggs is full of nice guys as well. So. It's full of nice guys. And um, you joined Seven Psychopaths as well. Um, That's true. So, oh, yeah, that was fun. It's, it's in a slightly crossovery episode going on there. Indeed. Yeah. Got so Tom White's cameo there. Do head over to uh, Song by Song uh, podcast. It's a fantastic uh, show. Whether you know or and or love Tom Waits before listening, um, the guy's fantastic. And it's a good I, way. I, in I, if you're new to this music, 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you do do film sessions about every song. Yeah, we do films. Actually, we've just done a load of cameos. So, like, he's in he's, he cameos in lots and lots of films. Um, thing, you know, things like The Fisher King and um, mm. lots of films you wouldn't expect, and lo- lots of less well known films. And uh, actually, uh, if you're listening. Uh, in 2023, that's fairly recent, um, and we had a great guest, Lee Singer, talk us through some of those uh, cameo movies and the ones we haven't focused on previously. So do uh, have a listen to that. It's quite a good roundup of Tom Waits' entire film career. But it was uh, really nice of you to have us on the show. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to you about some films. So, uh, yeah, congratulations on 300 episodes. Happy birthday. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Good you. Old. <laughs> Is there anything else that we need to do for uh, a <laughs> thing? Just say goodbye to the listeners, I guess. Fair enough. Bye, listeners. Bye, listeners. Ta-ra. Bye. Bye. Enjoyed this episode of Flixwatcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at FlixWatcherPod on Twitter and we're at FlixWatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Rockwood Audio's editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them FlixWatcher sent you. just heard a stripped media production.